But the true goal that I experienced from the entire ceremony that I was I, I, I partook in was when I was driving home. I was driving home from this location to my house in Arlington, and I had driven this road a thousand times and stopped in the same stoplights a thousand times. And then there was this one traffic light where I stopped and I looked around and I was like, where did this crosswalk come? Did it what get painted recently? When did that those numbers on that building appear? It's like, where why were these trees planted here recently? And or was it planted here recently? And I was looking at things as though I was here for the very first time. And then it dawned on me what had happened. I was actually being present for the first time in my entire life. like our show and want to learn more, please visit our website at peakwellnesshealth.com, which is linked in the show notes below, where you can gain access to a very simple 10-day body reset program that teaches you about diet, sleep, meditation, exercise, and guides you on how to lower blood sugar, lower blood pressure, lower body fat, and improve your biomarkers all in just 10 days. Additionally, you can find a body optimization program, which teaches you how to lose fat and build muscle. You can also find a link to schedule a one-on-one -on -one consultation with me. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Peak Health with Dr. Gupta. This show is for those who want to optimize their health and maximize their genetic potential. In recent times, there's been significant attention given to plant medicines and hallucinogens in the media. Compounds like psilocybin, NMDA, LSD, ayahuasca, and ketamine have become popular subjects of discussion. However, for some individuals, these substances raise concerns. The questions arise, Will they cause long-term health effects? Why would you even consider using them? Are these dangerous drugs? Interestingly, emerging medical research is shedding light on the tremendous therapeutic potential of these substances. Contrary to common misconceptions, studies are revealing significant benefits in treating conditions such as depression, PTSD, anxiety, and various other mental health disorders. The data indicates that under controlled conditions with professional guidance, these substances may offer promising avenues for healing and relief. In this podcast, we aim to explore scientific evidence, potential risks, and responsible use of these substances, offering a nuanced perspective on their medical applications. To help us delve into the fascinating world of plant medicines and lucigens, uncovering their transformative potential for mental health conditions, we have with us once again, Dr. Diva Nagula. Dr. Diva Nagula is a board-certified osteopathic physician and has extensive knowledge and training in integrative and functional medicine. Dr. Nagula completed training in integrative medicine under the renowned Dr. Andrew Weil and is committed to his passion for healthy lifestyles and believes most diseases that plague us today can be prevented and sometimes treated by positive health and lifestyle change. Welcome, Diva. Hey, good afternoon. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Happy to have you again. And let's get started, as I always do, with a simple question. How did you get started down this path to using plant medicines? And where are you today? Yeah, thanks. Good question. It was about five years ago in the D.C. metropolitan area where I was invited to a underground circle. And the individual that invited me was head of a pretty well-known networking group that's based in the D.C. metro area. And he had asked me three different times over the course of, I don't know, six months, and initially I, I said no, because I just didn't really feel a resonance with it. And then as time 
moved. And as he was more, you know, he was, was very much very pestering me to come. And that's how he usually does these things. He usually, when things work for certain people, doesn't matter what modality, he's the kind of a person that will really want everyone to try. And so out of obligation, I kind of went. And it was probably one of the most bizarre and interesting experiences, maybe even scary experience. But it was probably also at the same time, one of the best experiences of my life. Wow. Can you describe that more? I mean, that sounds very interesting. Fascinating. Yeah. So, yeah, the, there was a facilitator who had been doing this kind of work in terms of facilitating psychedelic experiences, had been doing this for 25 years and was trying to grow a community in the DC area. She would travel from LA to all over the country to different communities and either continue serving psychedelics or establishing new communities. And I didn't know anything about the medicines, the psychedelic world, hallucinogens. My only utilization was was marijuana, and I, you know, I did a lot of it in in school. And then after a while, I stopped using it because it got me to the point where I was extremely paranoid. And so that's obviously one of the side effects of marijuana. And so I stopped using it. And I was really hesitant on doing this experience because of the severe paranoia that I was experiencing with marijuana. Sure. And so after a, you know, I filled out a medical intake and I got screened, I was able to enter in this underground ceremony. And uh, there were two different substances that were used. One was MDMA, which is the active ingredient in, in, in ecstasy, if not the ingredient in ecstasy. And followed by a couple hours later, we were giving a, a dose of psilocybin, which was essentially in chocolate ceremonial cacao was what it was used in so it was a mixture of psilocybin and cacao together and um, the mdma for me was interesting because i just started feeling a little anxious and i started sweating and you know then the psilocybin was something that i used an hour and a half later and was given to me and it was i i felt this this unbelievable attempting to control everything. I couldn't, I, I didn't understand what was happening to me, but I was not really enjoying the experience. And it felt really, I didn't really, I saw some hallucinations, but they weren't too intense. And I couldn't really make any heads or tails of what I was seeing at the time. I didn't understand any of it. All I remember was just a really intense feeling going through this whole experience. And it was, I would just really wanting all of this to end. And mind you, I'll set the stage for you. It was with this experience was in a group setting, maybe 10 to 12 people, people that I didn't know at all. Some I didn't know. I, I just knew just barely. I didn't know the facilitator. And it was at a Airbnb in Alexandria, which was a very, it was a home that wasn't the, the best of shape, kind of run down. Very, you could just smell that there was mold in the air. So it wasn't very comfortable. So Nonetheless, I went ahead and did the experience. And after about, you know, six hours, it, it ended, you know, I kind of felt the medicine wearing off and I was exhausted and tired. And, you know, people at the end of the ceremony kind of like and crashed. And then we woke up in the morning and we did this, what was called integration. We all got into a circle and every one of us would share their experiences through the night. And the facilitator would kind of like help us understand what the deep meaning in it, the experience was for us. And so for me, 
you know, she went about and asked me some questions about my personal history because during the experience, I didn't ask for help. I just kind of like, you know, bit my tongue and then just kind of stood in a corner, so to speak, and just kind of like grinded my way through it in, 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 a, in an unpleasant way. So you, you were and, doing that for six hours during that whole, that whole, that whole event. You were just standing in a corner for six hours. Oh, no, I say that lightly. I was, I was lying down in a comfortable area, but I was more or less, you know, I felt like I was in a corner because I was not engaging with any other peoples that are in the, in the, in the, in the homes that we rented. And it, I was just by myself. I didn't ask for any help. I was very still. And the experience that I was going through was an intense process, but I did not reach out for any assistance. I didn't reach out for any help. And, you know, what she was telling me the next morning is like, are you a type of individual that is really doesn't ask for help when you need to be? And are you a type of individual that is tends to be an individual that keeps everything internal? And I said, yes, I kind of am. And then there lied the seeds of magic for me, which I didn't know at the time. But she was basically illustrating how my experience is a microcosm of how I act in life. And she hit the nail on the head that I was essentially a control freak and I had control issues and I had the inability to ask for help. I would always do things on my own. And, and that was that was a core wound for me. And then also I was, you know, embarrassed to ask for help because I didn't want people to look at me in a different way or mock me as that's another core wound that I had as well. So all these triggers that I went through the entire night and all these experiences were essentially, you know, unraveling of my psyche to where it was demonstrating that I just was an individual who really was needed some help in the sense of you know, being more outgoing, being more, being less anxious about, you know, being in environments with unfamiliarity. And the integration was an extremely important process of the whole experience because it allowed me to make heads or tails of the experience. But the true goal that I experienced from the entire ceremony that I was I, I, I partook in was when I was driving home. I was driving home from this location to my house in Arlington, and I had driven this road a thousand times and stopped in the same stoplights a thousand times. And then there was this one traffic light where I stopped and I looked around and I was like, where did this crosswalk come? Did it what, get painted recently? When did that those numbers on that building appear. It's like, where, why were these trees planted here recently? And, or was it planted here recently? And I was looking at things as though I was here for the very first time. And then it dawned on me what had happened. I was actually being present for the first time in my entire life. And I had zero thoughts in my mind. I was not ruminating. I wasn't thinking about stuff about tomorrow. I wasn't worried about things that I had done in the past. You know, I had no anxious thought processes. And at that moment, I realized what the medicine had done to me. It had actually reset my brain where I was not, I was made basically in a state where it was, I was able to be present for the first time in my entire life. And that's where the goal was for me. It wasn't the actual experience in itself. And the integration was very helpful, but the goal for me was the realization uh, of what it happened to my brain 
as a result of this experience. Well, that's fascinating. I mean, first of all, I, I really appreciate you being open and vulnerable and discussing these topics because it's not easy for everyone to talk about these things, especially, you know, things that are potentially traumatic to them. So I appreciate you, number one, there. But number two, I think it's so important for providers or people that are using it prescribe these substances to others to to try them themselves. I mean, this is very different than a drug. Like you don't want your psychiatrist or psychologist necessarily taking, you know, psychotropics or, you know, antidepressants or things of that sort. But these substances are different. You know, they're they're sort of not necessarily they're not pharmaceuticals, but they are plant-based substances that provide these experiences that you have to integrate, as you mentioned, to your current life. So it's, it's really a different modality of treatment. And you know, the way you describe things is really fascinating because what it shows me is that like one vent like this can open up so many different ways of thinking. Yes, and that's what they say. They say like one experience is like having 10 years of therapy. And you know, what I've also realized after that experience, you know, th there was a little bit of some error in the experience and, and what I went through in the sense that when you really are experiencing a psychedelic trip for the first time, you know, we call it a journey in psychedelic words, not a trip anymore. They call it a journey to be a little bit more soft on what the experience is called, is all about. It's, there's two aspects of the experience that you really want to be cautious about. One is the set and one is the setting. If you read any psychedelic book, they talk about these two things. The set is the mindset that you go into. And the setting is the environment and the people that you're with that are, you know, alongside with you when you're experiencing this journey. And the mindset is extremely important because whatever mindset you have going into the experience is actually the mindset that you're going to experience this, this, this journey. So if you're, if you're anxious or you're depressed or have like these ill thoughts that are in your mind, that's going to carry over into your journey and it will not be a likely a pleasant experience. Likely the setting is important. You want to have an optimal setting. You want to have a setting where you're comfortable, where the people that you're around you are, you know, people that you can be comfortable around. The facilitator, you have to have a rapport with the facilitator. If you don't feel comfortable with the facilitator, then it's not an experience that you should probably go through. That's why it's important to have some sort of vetting process, you know, not to go blindly into the experience without vetting who is going to be facilitating and who is going to be there and in what environments that you're going to be involved in when you're having this experience. Those are two crucial points of the journey. The medicine is one aspect of it, right? Set and setting is a huge aspect of it. And the integration, as you mentioned before, is probably 80, 75 to 80% of the entire experience. If you take, if you do the medicines, yes, it can help you because these medicines are designed to reset the brain, specifically the area called the default mode function. It's where our ego resides, where our critical thoughts our self-loathing thoughts, that's where they all lie. And so the medicines, specifically psilocybin and, and other medicines, can reset this area of the brain, which causes an immense amount of release of anxiety, depression, and, and allowed the individual to be more in the present moment. So medicine has its role, but the majority of the work is involved at the preparation phase, 
And then the, and the phase, which is called the integration phase, which is after the experience is where you integrate your experiences through of the journey into your everyday life. Are you struggling with reaching your health goals? Do you feel like you need extra help to achieve your desired level of wellness? Well, we're here to tell you that you're not alone. Our website at peakwellnesshealth.com, which is linked in the show notes below, offers a variety of resources to help you on your journey towards optimal health. One of the most popular resources is the 10-Day Body Reset Course, which is designed to teach you about diet, sleep, meditation, exercise, and how to lower your blood sugar, blood pressure, body fat, and improve your biomarkers all in just 10 days. Our program is comprehensive yet easy to follow, and we've seen amazing results for those who have completed it. But that's not all. We offer a body optimization course, which teaches you how to lose fat and build muscle. Our program is tailored towards your individual needs and goals so that you can be sure that you're getting the most effective guidance. And if you need even more personalized support, we offer one-on-one consultations. During these sessions, we'll work with you to create a personalized plan that takes into account your unique circumstances, preferences, and goals. Visit peakwellnesshealth.com today and take the first step towards achieving your health goals. Now, if you know a lot of many people that are considering trying these substances are often not in a proper mindset. You know, they're anxious, anxious, they're depressed, they, they have some you know, issue. Is that a potentially a contraindication if they're like active and their their feelings or they have to like take some time to So when I when I say it's it's you worried the mindset, it's it's not a mindset of anxiety. You know, it's it helps these medications help with anxiety and depression. So we're not talking about the day-to-day mindset that you're in. However, going into the experience with a mindset of having experienced say some sort of traumatic event in your life, you know, that's unusual, you know, that kind of mindset can carry over into the journeys. If you have like a lot of exposure to say politics on TV or the news, the media, all that chatter and that anger and, and all of, all of that kind of environment and that commotion that you're, you're putting yourself through that gets carried over into the experience. So when you have your visuals and hallucinations, you know, it's going to be centered around these characters that you're seeing on the news media or in a horror show or, you know, some sort of like, you know, a murder mystery. These are the types of things you want to avoid. And they're like, typically, these are things that a facilitator will, will educate you on what to not do and not expose yourself prior to going into the journey. Having anxiety to going into the experience is normal, you right. know, but, and that's, that's totally fine, but we just want to minimize, we just want to like minimize the exposure to harmful types of environments and specifically the news. That's the worst thing that you can do. So in that regards, you know, having anxiety and depression on a day-to-day basis, chronic basis, it's okay. Cause that's, that's what we're, we're there to heal. Right. So in retrospect, it sounds like you, you would have done it differently, right? You would have had you would have understood the experience a bit more prior to going in you would have changed the setting yeah exactly i would have done a little bit more homework but then again you know nowadays a lot of times people read too much and then they overread and educate themselves and that type of energy and that type of thought process goes into the experience so a lot of clients who I who I facilitate for now these days, I educate them on the bare minimum. You know, really avoid any toxic type of cultural, you know, TV, media, news, 
really try and be at peace, you know, do some meditations, try and enjoy yourself in nature. And that's what re really it's all about is in, in, in that regards to preparation phase. And then, you know, the integration is, is like I said before, is, is where the gold is. Okay. So if somebody is listening to this and is like, wow, this sounds amazing and fascinating. I want to potentially try this and they're ready to do it. They may want to know what the, the absolute contraindications are. Like, what are those? Yeah. And then each medicine that you're using has a different side effect profile, right? So, uh, for example, the utilizing MDMA and, and SSRI, I'm sorry, MDMA and other hallucinogens like psilocybin, they, psilocybin works on a specific receptor of the serotonin subset, where if you're taking an SSRI, uh, you will not feel the effects of the psilocybin. And so it's a little bit, if you're taking it for a long period of time, you need to have a good two to three week, maybe even four week, depending on the SSRI of a washout period to have it out of your system before you can engage in a, an experience with psilocybin. With MDMA, it's really, it's, it's more of an absolute contraindication because you don't want to be on an SSRI because what MDMA does is it floods your entire bloodstream with serotonin and dopamine and oxytocin. And so that's why everyone feels so great on this is because all of these different hormones are, and, and neurotransmitters are just dumped into our bloodstream at once. And if you're on an SSRI, and it's, there's a contraindication because you can develop what's called serotonin syndrome. It's a very unpleasant condition that causes a lot of issues with a lot of muscle tension, hypertension. You know, there's things that can go wrong when the blood pressure is too high, such as stroke or cardiovascular issues. So really being on any kind of SSRI or any substance that's related to increasing serotonin, including things like herbs, you know, like St. John's wort and other herbs that, and 5-HTP and, and SAM-E, these are types of medicines uh, or that are supplements and herbs that can actually do what an SSRI is doing. And so that's why it's important to have a comprehensive medical intake given to these people who are looking to experience MDMA or psilocybin and other hallucinogens. So yeah, so I, that's the, that's, that's the, the main issues with the side effects and interactions with other medications that we see and we try to screen out for when implementing specific hallucinogens or, or MDMA. Now, what about patients with a history of psychosis, schizophrenia and such? Yeah, that typically is also a contraindication. It depends, you know, for all hallucinogens, you know, you really want people who are screened out with schizophrenia and in other type of psychoses. Bipolar is questionable. You know, you, you can actually help bipolar with these medicines. There's got to be a lot of care and the facilitator has to know what they're doing and has to have this experience of understanding the condition as well as any medicines that they might be taking. The issue with the, the bipolar client is that they're most likely on antipsychotics or I'm, I'm sorry, mood stabilizers and SSRIs. So getting them off of that is going to be a challenge before starting, you know, psychedelic work. And then what about side effects short and then short and long-term side effects? There are really no long-term side effects for through plant medicines, which include the psilocybin family. MDMA, it's not a plant substance. It's synthesized from a plant, the plant saffron. 
which then there's multiple processes. It goes into Sassafras, then MDMA, then MDA, M M MDA, then MDMA, sorry. And this, these processing, you know, really there are side effects as a result of taking this specific medication because you're dumping your serotonin and your dopamine. And so you have emptied your neurotransmitters. And so it takes a while to replete these neurotransmitters. And so even post, you know, if you know anything about people who have taken Molly or ecstasy, they typically have the blues after, and that's because they're, they're depleted of their, of their neurotransmitters. So it's really important, you know, to protect the brain before ingesting and then able to ramp up the metabolism of this product that's in your system after the fact, and also supplement with, with specific medicines to help replete the serotonin depletion. And how long does that period last, that, that down period after it? You know, it could take any, it, without supplementation, it could take a few weeks, you know, sometimes I'm, you know, longer with supplementation, you know, people bounce back even quicker. Okay. So, all right. So you mentioned the contraindications, you men mentioned the side effects, which really, you know, no long-term side effects. That's amazing. And I know there's a lot of stuff, there's a lot more studies out there. You know, many prominent universities are creating divisions, looking at hallucinogens and the benefits, and, you know, treating, as I mentioned previously, patients with PTSD, depression, anxiety, and, and hospice patients, many hospice patients are treated this way. So if somebody, you know, doesn't have those conditions that I just mentioned, but they still want to try it, they, you know, they're listening to this podcast. They don't have those absolute contraindications. They're okay with the side effects. What are the next steps? There are two areas in the country where they've actually legalized psilocybin and that's Oregon and Colorado. So you know, the, if people are interested, those are two locations where they are, it's legal to facilitate experiences, it's legal to possess this medicine, and it's legal to actually take the medicine. Um, there are other areas around the country, probably over 100 municipalities, where they've decriminalized this utilization of psychedelics like psilocybin, and DC is one of them. So there was probably, you know, my, my, suggestion is is to if you're really looking for this you can look online for facilitation or groups that are in Oregon or in Colorado for this to be legal decriminalize simply means that if you're caught you're you know you're not just going to get a slap on the wrist you're not going to be taken into taken to jail or be incarcerated and if and if you know of other people that have experienced these psychedelics you know in a very controlled setting with a, a very experienced facilitator, then that would be an individual's way in to the group. And because in the underground world, you can't really advertise because of the legal implications that are, that are involved. Right. And so it's, it's really, you know, you won't be seeing any advertisements online for underground type of work. So the best thing to do is, you know, is to be have friends in the area, you know, or, or just visit places like Oregon and, and, and Denver, more than likely, you know, they have some connections into places like, you know, DC or Northern Virginia. There's also a lot of groups and organizations that are proponents of psychedelics. Um, there is a Baltimore Society of Psychedelics. There's other societies within various cities around the country. I would encourage people to look into that. These organizations and societies don't facilitate experiences. They're just organizations that, you know, really 
where people come together to exchange information. However, there are people within those communities that probably have information on where to have an experience, where to find a good facilitator, et cetera. And you actively facilitate in Oregon or Colorado. Is that correct? No, I facilitate in other locations. I mean, I'm, I'm actually putting together a retreat center in Costa Rica where everything is legal. So we'll be legally facilitating in Costa Rica probably the next year or year and a half when everything is going to be completed in terms of construction and, and our build. I see. Well, that sounds, that sounds great. I love Costa Rica. It's a beautiful country. Okay, great. So okay, somebody say somebody finds a, an area that makes sense for them, whether it's Oregon, Colorado, or some other location, and how would they decide which journey to take? I mean, MDMA, psilocybin, ayahuasca. Yeah, that's a really good question. And it's, you know, there's a lot of different psychedelics that are out there. There's a lot of preparatory work that's, I would recommend people undergo first. If people don't have a meditation practice, it's probably really a good idea to have one before going in and venturing psychedelics because psychedelics is a very introspection type of work, very internal processing. And if you're uncomfortable with just meditating or even doing some breath work, you know, then that would be kind of an indication that you're not going to have a optimal experience. You know, meditation, you're in control, breathwork, you're in control. And so if those experiences are suboptimal, then it's likely a good litmus test for you not to go and experience psychedelics. A step up from there is a float tank. A float tank simulates a very much like a psychedelic experience because you're in a very closed environment. You're kind of floating. You don't really have your bearings. It's dark and you're alone. And so this is a better simulation of a psychedelic. So it'd be a step up. So the meditation and breath work would be like your bare minimum. If you're able to do that, then I would recommend trying a float tank. And if you're able to crank that out without any problem, then you're probably ready for a basic experience in the psychedelic world. And I think the most safest experience, if you're looking at psychedelics, there's two recommendations. One is ketamine and one is psilocybin. If you're more interested in a more plant-based experience, psilocybin would be your, your choice. If you don't really care, then I would recommend ketamine because even though it is synthetic, it's widely used, it's legal, and you can go into many ketamine clinics across the country to experience this. The difference is that ketamine is short-lived, it's short-acting, the half-life is 90 minutes, and your experience, the peaks is, is about, peak experience is about 20 to 30 minutes. And it, you'll have a very good understanding of that experience of what that world is like. And if you're interested in doing something beyond that, that, that length of time, then the set psilocybin would be something that I recommend. So just to reiterate, it'd be meditation, breath work, you know, as your base, your, your bottom foundation, master that you go into the float tank, master that my recommendation would be ketamine first. And if that's something that you master than psilocybin. And, and when I say master, I'm like getting through the levels of discomfort, being able to go through the experience without any difficulty, then I think you could progress. And then there's other tiers of medicines after psilocybin, but psilocybin is on a baseline tier one, kind of a ground level. Um, so other medicines that are included in this is like LSD, ketamine, psilocybin, MDMA. These are all kind of like your tier one, you know, mind altering substances. THC or marijuana and cannabis would be in this category as well. 
your tier two categories is where you're talking about like ayahuasca. Um, and then you're talking about things like San Pedro or mescaline. That's another hallucinogen. And then finally, the top, the, the tier three, you're looking at different hallucinogens that are really strong. One would be 5-MeO-DMT, which is a substance that comes from the uh, toad, the saliva, the product gland of the toad. This is where the medicine comes from. And then you have iboga, which is a, a bark of a, a tree that is indigenous to places like Africa. And this has really high hallucinogenic properties. And these trips can last anywhere from 16 to 36 hours. Wow. So those are kind of trips that you don't want to do at the very beginning if this is your first time around. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, I was listening to a podcast on hallucinogens recently, and the the guest was talking about how there are approximately 120 hallucinogenic substances out there, natural substances that we know of. So there's so many options and varieties, but it seems like, you know, the ones that you mentioned are the ones that we co most commonly hear about. And those are the ones that sort of float to the top and probably are, I would imagine are the safest and have the most research backing them. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a lot of research, believe it or not, with LSD. LSD is a substance that's been used for decades. I, it's not my choice because the trip can last a little bit longer than normal. But, you know, something like psilocybin is a very good starting point. You know, I like ketamine better. I think it's just because it's, it gives a lot of the same benefits as psilocybin and it's a short um, experience. So if people are having a bad experience or bad trips, you know, it's relatively over in a short period of time versus something like psilocybin. It can last anywhere from four to six hours. And so it's, it, if it's a bad experience, it just can be a little prolonged and can, you know, traumatize an individual if they're not facilitate it in a proper way. Okay. Well, that's all the time we have right now, folks. We're going to get Dr. Nagla back to talk more about psychedelics. Thank you so much, Dr. Nagla. This was amazing. And uh, we look forward to having you back soon. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Make sure to join us for part two of this episode where Dr. Diva Nagula and I finish our deep dive into the amazing health benefits of hallucinogens and plant medicines. We'll see you there. And thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. And if you did, please make sure to hit the subscribe and the like button and leave a comment about what you'd like to see on our future episodes. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only, it is not a substitute for professional care, nor does it constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you're looking for medical care, please seek a qualified doctor or medical professional. For more information, or if you'd like to check out our programs, please visit our website, peakwellnesshealth.com. That's peakwellnesshealth.com.